0: Get ready to jumpstart your scientific career with practical advice on being a successful and contented scientist. Each episode of the Happy Scientist podcast delivers hands-on, actionable steps you can take to ensure you stay happy, focused, and satisfied in the lab. Available on all popular podcast platforms, hit the subscribe button and start your journey towards a more fulfilling scientific career. the happy scientist podcast each episode is designed to make you more focused more productive and more satisfied in the lab you can find us online at bitesizebio.com slash happy scientist your hosts are kenneth vote founder of the executive coaching firm vera claritas and dr nick oswald phd bioscientist and founder bite size bio
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Happy Scientist Podcast. This is the place to be if you want to become a happier, healthier and more productive scientist. I'm Nick Oswald, the founder of BitesizeBio.com and today we will be drawing on the wisdom of Mr. Kenneth Vogt, the Bitesize Bio team coach and founder of the executive mentoring company Vera Claritas. Today And in other Happy Scientist podcast episodes, you get to benefit from his Yoda-like words of wisdom to help you increase your performance, enjoyment, and success in the lab. Last time, we talked about how to cope with the parts of your job that you don't like. But today, we're looking on the bright side and looking at all of the things there are to love about the lab. Okay, Ken, tell us about the things, all of the things there are to love about the lab. (laughs)
2: Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen here uh and i I didn't give Nick any heads up on this, but Nick's gonna tell you a lot about the things to love about the lab but i'm gonna I'm gonna lead him in, and the reason we're doing this is kind of as an antidote for what we were talking about last time' because the fact is that you know there there may be things that you've hated about your job, but there are lots of things to love about your job too, and sometimes they get forgotten or lost or um hidden behind the things that have, have bothered you so being reminded of all the good things that are available to you in the lab can be very helpful to you. It's it changes your focus, yeah. You, um, and and it's a productive thing to do, to look at the things that are working for you, the things that are supporting you, and and realizing, you know, if it wasn't for all this stuff, you wouldn't be able to do what you what you do, and and the possibilities for for what you could achieve would be so so restricted and if you think back in time you don't have to think back very far it could be you know hundreds of years it could be decades only it could be even single digit years there are things you can do today that you couldn't have done even a few years ago because of all the supports that are there for you so uh, we're going to look at a couple different ways of seeing what's beneficial in the lab. So I want to I want to put some stakes in the ground. So we're going to talk about the structure of the lab, the things that are available to you in that way. We're going to talk about the mindset of of laboratory work and scientific work. We're going to talk about the history of the operations that you may be working with. And we're going to talk about the future that's available to the operations you work with. And so within all those things there's a number of different things That are supporting you. So let's start off by talking about structure. And to begin with, to to my mind, an obvious thing is equipment. You know, when I was a kid, when I thought about science, I thought about Bunsen burners and test tubes. (laughs) But now,
1: once I uh, I took my two my two cousins who were they were a lot younger they were. uh, much younger they were must i was in doing my phd and they must have been about eight or nine or something like that maybe that age and they were begging to come into the lab so i took them in one saturday so they could have a look around and they were really disappointed that there were no bats as in you know flying mice Oh boy! i think they were watching some dexter's laboratory or something like that and (laughs) yeah so, yeah, so it's an interesting that you would start there with the, what's good about... I suppose you're talking about the lab, not a career, not a, being a scientist, so things to love about the lab, the equipment. The machines that go ping, as Monty Python used to say, and we used to say that a lot. Um, I mean, it, it goes to the, uh, the kind of the root of your day-to-day life as a scientist uh, at the bench is that you've got lots of technical... Uh, you know you need to build up lots of technical know-how and ability um you need to know how to use uh, various pieces of equipment and use them well and and that those uh pieces of equipment and the reagents that go into them and the concepts behind them are increasingly um build increasingly uh, on increasingly complex ideas and inventions and so that you have so much power you have generations of of deductive power, if you like, at your fingertips in a lot of those machines, or I mean, not so much the machines, but you know, in some cases machines, but on other pieces, um, um, cases, piece of, of equipment. Um, that's an exciting thing, you get to wield that, you know, um, even doing, uh, you know, running an SDS page gel, gener- a relatively simple, um, uh, you know, technique. That wouldn't have been possible unless you had, uh, you, 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 without the generations of chemists and and who before, you know, in the early days of molecular biology and so on, they figured out how to do that and package it in such a way that you can just run it off, um, you know, multiple gels a day. It doesn't take you, you know, weeks to set the whole thing up and, um, you know, figure it out and everything like that. That sort of thing, standing on the shoulders of giants, is what kind of excited me in that regard. But then you have the technical, the technical challenge of getting to grips with it, being able to do it well, being able to produce reliable, you know, use them reliably and and well, and then teach other people, which um, uh, is also for me uh, a great part of it is is
2: being able to spread that know-how. Well, I think um, you're, you're making a really good point that you know, you got to invest in these, these advantages. you know you got to put your time into it. you got to gain some skills. you got to bother to learn how to use certain things or to learn about the availability of things so that you can love it. You know, I, I never even heard of reagents or, or assays before Bite Size Bio. When I did hear about them, I was like, holy cow, I had no idea that what could be out there. Then I learned about some things like pipettes that I thought, okay, I can't believe there are companies that, I mean, there are multiple companies that, that are, you know, making millions and millions of dollars because these things while so small are so important. And so, you know, they're so uh, useful across the board. So, you know, you've got that available to you. You didn't have to reinvent that wheel. You know, fire's already been invented. It's done, <laughs> and you get to use it. So, in adding on top of that structure, and, and this kind of ties into what you were just saying, Nick, there are things to learn about it. Well, where do you learn about things? Well, you learn about things from people, and so the fact is, you have other people you could draw on. You know, you may have, you know, a PI that that can that is really helping you, and you may have you may have a lab manager that's that's just been there, done that you you may have just to have colleagues that are willing to share their experience and that again is extremely helpful and and that can make your your job so much more enjoyable that you have people to work with that are teaching you things that are that are willing to help you with things and well hopefully you're doing the same thing for others because there's a there's a saying there's more joy in giving than in receiving <laughs> so you know you could be part of that that personnel structure that is making the lab such a good place to work yeah i mean the bottom
1: line is that in in virtually all scientific sort of settings or scientific scientific research settings you're working in a group or in a if in a wider in a community even um depending on what the setup is where everyone can learn something from each other um because you know there are a lot of techniques to go around there are a lot of uh things to to learn and um and helping each other is is the the fastest way to to propagate that and and doing it on a quid pro quo, quo basis so you are helping each other is 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 a it's quite an unusual situation to be in because um you know in in the world ter- in terms of you know uh jobs that you could be doing you know is that it's literally learning, literally learning all the time is, is um, that's your job learning how the, you know, the, how whatever it is you're studying uh, works or whatever the, you know, your objective is learning how to add more and more, kind of bring in new techniques, get them to work better what's happening uh, in other areas in the field, you know, what are other people's research showing, and so on. You you can you can help each other, you can help people every day, and that is really binding. You know, uh it can be a really binding experience and make it really worthwhile, depending on how you look at it. You can go in and be hung up on the fact, the experiments that aren't working, the people who are annoying you, um, that you don't click with or whatever, um, the fact that you feel isolated in your in your lab because you don't have, you know, your direct um, the people directly closest to you aren't, you know, your the in your lab aren't supporting you, but you can always go wider. You know, you can go wider and go into other labs and support and get um, get support. You can go on the internet and get support. Um, there's all a bite sorts of. Can can get, get support. <laughs> that, that's that's why sized Bio is there to provide a layer of that. Um, but that is for me is one of the special things about science is is not is that you're it's people who have you know, they're in there for different reasons but they're all pushing for the same goal. And that goal is quite it's quite a it's a big well, understanding the world and the universe. That's kind of the biggest goal there is really. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. um uh, you know, we're it's a specific angle on understanding the, the universe, but everybody's pushing for that and you know that's quite a quite a place to be if you look at it like that and sometimes stopping and looking at that wider picture um helps the you know the gripes that you have about individuals to melt away a little bit when you get you take
2: that wider perspective right so uh, you know, what we've been talking here about about the advantages of the mindset in the lab that are that make make it a good experience so let me let me just put a few um Put a few bumpers around that areas where you can see it for instance it's great to have management now and at some point some people are like man I hate having a boss tell me what to do really do you really hate that or isn't it good that there's somebody that's taking on that responsibility and covering that stuff and they're going to those meetings you don't have to go to and they're worrying about the funding and they're you know they're worrying about stuff so you don't have to worry about it now it's not to say that you couldn't do that you could you know you may be well qualified to do that but it would take you away from the parts that you really want to do so having that management structure there is very useful you know Nick you talked quite a bit about the the opportunity for collegiality in the lab and I think um you know of course there's there are people that are competitive that that's true in any any field but the collegiality of science is is renowned, and it stands out compared to many other fields. And so you're very fortunate to have that collegiality in this business that you may not have if you were in a different business. Another thing that's useful, as you, you've talked about, is the, the codifying of things like objectives and, and procedures and methods. The fact that it's already been done, that it's been written down, that there's There's a structure there that you can draw on. You don't have to reinvent that wheel. You know, there's a safe way to do X. There's a clean way to do Y. It's already been figured out. You know, everyone else
1: already did the mouth pipetting, so you don't have to do it. (laughs) Uh,
2: (laughs) You know, I I had a... I I don't have any experience in the lab with that. However, I used to work with somebody who was a chemist, and he talked about experience that he had where he was this was when he was in still in university, and he was mouth petting something, and it was some kind of uh, some kind of uh, bacteria. Now it was a bacteria that wouldn't necessarily hurt you, except he pretty much ingested a you know uh, a, a thousand times what any human would normally encounter, and you know he took it into his mouth, so he he literally grabbed some 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 nearby acid and put it in his mouth and burned his mouth you know i was like like holy cow and you're you know he said but i didn't know what would happen you know he said but you didn't know what happened with the acid either you know <laughs> And yeah and you yeah, know it was fortunate it was a i guess it was a, a lung-borne back you know a bacteria that might affect your lungs and he took it into his mouth but he didn't apparently didn't breathe enough of it in that it even got him sick. So, but he did have to deal with having burned his own mouth. <laughs> well, no,
1: no health and safety would not allow you to even get into anywhere near that situation. So well, there's, there's a good reason for uh,
2: <laughs> this. Is This guy looking back, hurt. he's the kind of guy who would have, Broke the health and safety rules to do the kind of garbage that would have got him into this fix.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you would, you would, you wouldn't. If you tried to mouth pet pet bacteria in the lab, about ten people would jump on you and uh, and stop you. Uh, now where it was. <laughs> well, that's you know, good what I mean, to the hear, culture, actually. the cult. It's not just that. It's not just the health and safety. It's the culture has changed. Um. Oh. Well, yeah. And yeah. So,
2: that's my experience of it. Anyway, is well, that people? Well, that's good more... to hear. <laughs> he... So. It's hard. To, it's hard to imagine how dangerous a lab could be if, if there wasn't this kind of protocol in place. You know, there are certainly a million ways to kill yourself or
1: someone else in a lab.
2: To <laughs> be <as he> said,
1: <laughs> or permanently damaged. There you go. <laughs> um, but there, anyway,
2: there, yeah. There's 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 one other thing about mindset I wanted to comment on too that you have, even with all the restrictions, of procedures and methods and protocols and ten people will jump you for doing the wrong thing. You have a freedom in the lab that is, which is not common in many other fields. You have to, you know, if you're in engineering, you're not allowed to think outside of the box hardly. I mean, you, you're you really swimming upstream if you try to do that. Whereas in science, you're encouraged to think outside of the box. You're, you're applauded for thinking outside of the box. Now, and I'm not saying that doesn't come with some... uh some danger, as it were, uh, you know, you, it is riskier, but at least you get the option. You have, you have the option to be free.
0: Like what you're hearing? Ready to supercharge your scientific career? Discover practical advice on what it takes to be a successful scientist without sacrificing happiness. Learn the importance of meeting your human needs, identifying and unlocking your charisma factors, discovering your core mindsets, and much more. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack and get started on your journey to becoming a happier scientist today. Subscribe now and check the show notes to download.
1: Yeah, I mean, literally your job as a scientist is to creatively ask questions about biology in this case, an aspect of biology. And these, you know, these procedures and machines and uh, equipment and reagents are tools that you use and there's as you said Ken there's codified ways to to use them that help you to get better results uh, with less risk to yourself or or others um, but the bottom line is that is that your job is to solve problems answer questions and and especially as a young you know when you start off depending on the lab you're in, it can feel quite restrictive because you're told what questions to ask and how to ask them. but as you go up the you know as you earn the right to do so, you increasingly get more and more freedom to do that um but even even as uh you know first you know first day in the lab, you have more freedom over to exercise to express yourself than you do. Um, you know, I, I went from stacking uh, cans on a shelf. There's not much freedom in that because you're told what to do and when to do it, and 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 what has to be done. And then you go next day. I have a problem to solve, and I'm told basically how to do it, and uh, and then I get on with it and start learning. You know, that's a much that's a big jump in freedom, um, and it's important to appreciate that.
2: And the one thing that's that's come to mind for me lately. Because there's been so much questioning of science. And you think, well, science is about questioning. But that's just half of the equation. You question so as to get answers. The answers are are the important part. And you're the ones who get to come up with the answers. It's pretty cool. It's,
1: It's certainly a... Yeah that's a whole other episode <laughs> but yeah yeah, it yeah is. but but bottom line is that um is that you are in a you, you know you're you're inside a you're doing this you know you're operating with freedom but inside a structure that has been created for you over decades um that mean that you're that you can you know that things can move faster than they ever have you know uh yeah again just look at look at where the tools were to answer these questions 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago and and see how um how you know how advanced how advanced your your what how advanced your your the the tools at your fingertips actually are
2: yeah well that, that segues into the next thing i wanted to talk about that is the history of all this and so it's the history of your lab the history of the maybe the um the institution your lab is associated with the, the other associations you have that, 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 you know, your lab may be linked to other labs. Uh, Those associations go back, maybe go back for, for decades or even longer. And, and there's a lot of depth there and there's a lot to draw on there. A lot to, a lot of foundation that you can build on. Um, Another thing (laughs) It's almost a dirty topic for some people, but the funding—you know—it's money that matters to, to quote the old song. <laughs> um, but the fact is, a lot of funding has been put toward science. I mean, literally hundreds of millions of dollars. And without that, you you wouldn't have been able to do the things you've done, and the you know the things you've built on it wouldn't have it's
1: been. It's interesting because the I mean the whole as a as a rebellious. Twenty, thirty-year-old, uh, the um, my, I kind of, I don't know, bristled against that that you know the the whole funding aspect and the and all the structures and all the all, you know all the, you know as you've written there the legacy, the associations and so on, the the history that's there, but actually looking at it, you need money to do this work. Right, These questions need to be answered, or it's in our, all of our benefits to answer these questions. It's, uh, science is an imperfect tool, but it's the best we've got. The, org- the way that science is organized uh, uh, you know, to date is the best that we've got. You, know, you can criticize, say, where it's good and where it's bad, you know, where it works, where it doesn't, but it's the best we've got. You need money to go in there um you, you know to flow in there to make that research happen to to make you know to to fund it that's the best system we have so the money's got to go in there and the management and the associations and all that are, are what help to make sure that the money goes to, to the best possible um flows in the best possible way for the outcomes we want using the the imperfect systems and tools that we have at the moment so um you know it's again i'm talking to my my younger self as you often do end up doing with these things. But it's just, you know, it's it's all there for a reason. And, you know, just because you can pick holes in in the methodology or the, you know, the or the structure of the setup, doesn't mean that that there's a better way to do it.
2: Right. And, you know, some some of the funding is driven by call it capitalistic uh, outlooks, which is often focused on what have you done for me lately? You know, what have you produced this quarter? You know, it's pretty short-term thinking, but it's but it's short-term thinking at the end of the line. It's like, how do we now create something practical that can enter the marketplace? But there is plenty of funding happening for basic research, for things that are not looking for a direct product at this moment, that that are foundational and will be built on. And That is not true in much of the rest of the world when it comes to where money gets spent. It's... We don't usually spend money on things outside of science that don't have a direct, direct line between investment and return on investment. Whereas in science, it is not only acceptable, it's it's considered to be a necessity that there has to be at least some of the research being funded that is that kind of basic research. And those of you who are involved in that kind of research, God bless you. You're doing... You're, you're doing amazing things that we don't even know what's going to come from it. But we do know that when you do it, the next person along can look at that and go, I can build on that. And I mean, it's happened over and over and over again. So, you know, I, I think about an uh, 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 easy example in my mind is CRISPR. The basic research that happened before CRISPR became possible. We didn't even know what, why would you even want to know that? Why would we want to map the human genome? Why would we bother with that? You know. Well, guess what? Now we know why we bothered with it.
1: <laughs> well, all, all the, all of the, um, I mean, geez, if you take it back, the, the, the research that was required to allow CRISPR to happen, it, it just goes back to extremely basic research. You know, very basics of, uh, you know, um. The, the molecular biology of a cell. You know, for example, and, and chemical technique, chemistry technique, chemical techniques that were, um, you know, invented to, to explore that molecular biology. It's It goes way back, because you tend to think of, well, the CRISPR, the stuff that enabled CRISPR, the research that enabled CRISPR is the, you know, the, the, the stage before it was invented, but it's not. It goes way, 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 way back. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and it's important, it's just, an, it's maybe an obvious thing, but it's it's an important distinction to highlight to yourself, I think. You know, regardless of what you're doing, um, it, it's still—it's just patiently adding to the building blocks that we know, and then we see what happens. But I still don't think that it's easy to um, decry that capitalist-funded research as well. That's also—I I think it's—I think it's a common thing that that is it, decried, and I think that again, it's an imperfect system, but it's the best that we have to make certain things happen. So um, yeah, I think it's all good that's that's the uh and it's all it's all the best that we the best approach that we we know of to do this stuff so
2: so uh, uh, in in the show notes uh nick you you commented on where I mentioned associations and and legacy, but I mean them as two different things associations I meant more as um uh, like your labs being associated with another lab or perhaps associated with a hospital or. Or with a cancer research institute, or something like that. You know, those. That that's what I meant by associations with legacy. I mean your lab. Your lab itself may have a legacy. Your lab may be the place that first developed X. You know, <laughs> you might have been the lab that first developed CRISPR. I don't know, but you know that legacy is very valuable. You know, it's very. What What about if you were the person
1: who um, taught the? Uh, you know the one of the people that made the key breakthrough in CRISPR what if you were the person who taught that person how to pipette right <laughs> you know what I mean it, it, it's all you know it's easy to focus on the the people who are at the top of the pile there but there's so many people underneath them that that are equally as um well, I seem to be in kind of a <laughs> some sort of um I don't know I I don't know what the word is. Some uh kind of love and peace mode at the moment. <laughs> right.
2: Well, some people you know they they want attention. They they want their name associated with something. Other people they really don't care about that. That's that's not the part that's valuable to them. They they're glad they got to participate in it, but if nobody knows they participated, they're still satisfied about it. And in some ways that's a lot easier. If if I have to be known for my association with CRISPR, that's a much higher bar than just having the self-satisfaction to know that I was part of what made it possible. By the way, I'm not applying this to me personally right now. I had nothing to do with CRISPR. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> so and so now then. So history's the past, but now let's talk about the future. There because of the lab that you're associated with there are all kinds of possibilities all kinds of opportunities that are that are available to you and maybe they're available right now there are things you can do there are maybe new assignments or new roles that you could take on or maybe they're maybe they're years down the road but they're they're going to be there because you're already associated with that lab and you're putting in your time now and once you've done that well then the next phase will open up for you you know so there, there's so much so much future that comes out of the lab that you're associated with and it doesn't matter if your lab is world renowned for something or if it's just toiling there in the darkness because uh you know there's still output and that output gets fed into the rest of the system and you know again just again it comes down to what do you want to be a part of maybe you like being in the background um maybe you want to be in the forefront. Well, you, know, you can choose accordingly and you can assess where you're at right now, what your lab is like for that. But if it's, if it's hitting on, on the things that matter to you, awesome. Make sure you take note of that. Have some gratitude and appreciation for what's available to you, what's in front of you, what you're able to to build on top of, and you're going to be a lot happier. And we want you to be happy as a scientist. So that's basically my wrap up for today.
1: <laughs> I would just say, in closing, that one of the th- the things that we w- the ways that we've approached this today is taking different views. It's really easy to get um, you know you know you're you're working in the lab every day. You 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 walk the same route to work or drive the same route to work. You get in. It's the routine. Boom 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 that's one way to look at it the other way to look at it is um is the really zoomed out view of what you know your tiny part in this huge endeavor you know and then everything in between and and those different views help you to it's helpful for me anyway to um it, it's helpful to to look at it from all these different directions to um see what there is to be you know excited to be part of and uh, you know what what the benefits to you of being part part of that are as well, and that, that that just helps to float all boats for me. That kind of approach.
2: Yeah, I'm 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 grateful and appreciative that I get to help a bunch of scientists do things that I can't do. It's amazing. <laughs>
1: me too. Because <laughs> I can't do those things. <laughs> well, there we have. It. So, okay. Thank you. Uh, very much for listening in and again that's a good episode thanks for dropping that on me Ken that was okay. interesting yeah thank you you <laughs> stepped
2: right up too well done Nick <laughs>
1: thank you all right um, before we go a reminder to look at um, uh, bite bio.com forward slash the happy scientist for all of our other episodes we're on this is number 49 I think so there's lots of uh, stuff in there to look at if you if you're you're just joining this podcast especially and you and you, you enjoyed it you think it might be useful uh, if that is you then um, we would encourage you to go back to episodes one to nine to talk to look at the, uh, those podcasts that talk about foundational principles like human needs core mindsets and charisma factors which are quite useful tools to have in your um, in your in your toolbox for you know, increasing your enjoyment of life as a scientist and your effectiveness. Uh, and the other last piece of housekeeping is to, uh, um, if you enjoy the podcast, head over to facebook.com forward slash the happy scientist club and join us there and uh, that you can connect with us uh, and let us know how what your woes and what you're grateful for and, and all that stuff. And we'll see you in there. So again, thank you, Ken, for a great episode. Thank you. And we'll see you all again next time.
2: Bye now.
0: The Happy Scientist is brought to you by Bite Size Bio, your mentor in the lab. Bite Size Bio features thousands of articles and webinars contributed by hundreds of Ph.D. scientists and scientific companies who freely offer their hard-won wisdom and solutions to the Bite Size Bio community. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode and want to keep learning practical tips on being a happy and successful scientist, don't wait any longer. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack today. And together, let's reignite that passion for science that first got you into the lab. Remember, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. So hit that subscribe button now and check the show notes to download.